Welcome, welcome, welcome. Episode 41 of At the Bar Podcast. Once again, Dang. as always, I know we're getting we're getting up there, man. We're getting old. Getting old. Over the hill. I am Mike, as always, and then joining me as always, the usual Mamma Jamma, Mr. Jeff. Bad Mamma Jamma. Bad Mamma Jamma. So we uh we're, we're gonna switch we're gonna switch things up a little bit. We're gonna take another. This might be a shorter episode. I know last week we were at like forty something minutes. I think this one was gonna be around there, maybe a little less. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> yeah, what you said. What do you yeah, say? So we have a couple of news. We have about three news articles that we kind of want to bring up to the open, just to kind of have a little discussion about them. Um, we can do a. I know Jeff, you got kind of the big one. Yeah, the one I the think we let's let's save this one, especially because both of us are. Uh, I don't know if we're involved or not, but since we've been involved in in kind of some of it before, we'll, yeah. we'll let's save that one until let's later save. on. Yeah, let's, let's save that to the end. So, as you guys might have already known, Zima is being released for a quote unquote limited time only. Uh, yeah, Zima right. is the uh, malt beverage from the '90s that. Jeff and I have. Have you had Zima? I haven't. I can say I've had Zima. I don't think I particularly care for it. <laughs> I've never had it, but apparently Miller Coors is has re-released it. It's out. I've seen it. Just haven't picked it up, but it's out. Uh, I'm looking at the article on Beer Street Journal, and apparently people add Skittles or Jolly Ranchers to the drink to give it like you know that flavor. And I thought that was super cool. That does sound actually really cool. To where you can add green apple Jolly Rancher and turn that Zima into a green apple malt beverage and get crunk off. There you go. Yeah, I mean, that's a good idea. I thought that was worth mentioning. Um, you can't really do that with any beer. <laughs> uh, I believe I have done that with a, some kind of sour before with Jolly Ranchers in it. I don't remember why, but yeah, Normally, we did do that once. Yeah, the, the candy's more of a, of a vodka thing. You put in the mm-hmm. vodka, let it sit, let it disintegrate, and then you have that's like a flavored yeah. that's like purple drink or something. That Lil Wayne yeah. drink. No, but now Pinnacle has all covered. Yeah, Pinnacle has everything under the sun, uh, artificially flavored. It tastes like shit. So anyway, moving forward. Um, so pretty much, it hit market in 1994, and the, it officially died in 2008, which I thought was kind of late. I'm surprised. I thought it was dead way earlier. But apparently, according to the article, it's never left Japan, and it's done extremely well there. So they decided to bring it back to the states at its five percent alcohol by volume. Uh, so I thought that was cool, cool thing. Uh, the Jolly Ranchers thing was cool to me, and saying the brand died in '08. We were both twenty. I, I turned oh shit, I was actually twenty in two thousand eight. So, but I don't remember seeing it back then. Yeah, that's true. I don't remember it either. I wasn't really. Uh, I was more of a, a warm, uh, a warm shitty whiskey out of the bottle kind of drinker back then. Yeah, and then if you if you uh, go on YouTube and watch the Zima commercials, they are so nineties. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, they're all over this thing. I, I'm like watching one right now. Yeah, they are so. They like 90s. pronounce everything with a Z. Yeah, what's up? <laughs> Maybe maybe next week or or next episode I'll uh, I'll be drinking a Zima just for uh, shits and giggles because I've never had it. Right. I thought it'd be cool. 
Yeah, we should bring yeah. back the Zima for uh for the get my hands on one, yeah. You know, we still have to drink those uh those Walmart brews one of these episodes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, we got I gotta get them out of my fridge. I'm tired of looking at them. Yeah, we gotta we gotta work on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh so that's I thought that was kinda cool. Bring it back. I always like, you know, kind of bring it back the old school shit. And it's kinda out I, I wanna say it's it's not particularly weird, but it's something you don't see all the time. So like a novelty, you know, it's kind of weird in a novelty way. I feel like, I feel like it's weird that it ended in 2008 because I feel like that was like right around when like the malt beverage kind of thing started to retake off again. Like that's when four loco came back out and people were drinking kind of that like malty stuff. And like what's right, the other, yeah. what's the other big one that was out? It's like a red, something red dog (laughs) (laughs) matt mad dog Dog. oh my god (laughs) mad dog is the worst but like but that yeah you know another malt beverage so um it's funny because like zima goes away and then all of a sudden four loco came and like started murdering the youth of america with with eight cups eight cups of coffee worth of caffeine in a in a liquor beverage so yeah do uh do you ever have four loco Oh my god, did I have four locos? Yeah, I love them. Do you have the, the originals or the nerfed? <laughs> the originals. The originals. Yeah. yeah. That shit was crazy. I used to drink I used to drink one of those and I'd be like hammered and it, those things were insane. Yeah. I would have two in a Not, night and, and then be blacked out off three dollars. Yeah. That was a really dangerous time in, in America. I, I totally forgot about that. You you mentioned I'm like, oh shit. Four Loco did come out around 2008. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, damn. So Zima was out of the market, and somebody was like, "Let's take advantage of this. Yeah. Let's combine five hour energy with enough alcohol to kill someone." Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We can try that. Maybe we'll have an episode of we just taste novelty shit stuff. No, no. We'll see. A lot. There's a lot we can do. We just don't have time. Uh, so that's that. Let's go on the next article, which isn't really crazy but it brings up a, a good topic of mine um pretty much i want to introduce this article of of beers and flavorings we like to i like to see more of or we like to see more of um and so we, we were this is beer street journal again flipping through and burial beer company out of Asheville, north carolina is introducing their season skillet 2017 it's a bourbon barrel aged donut stout coming at 10% alcohol scrolling through the article here uh pretty much they brew it once uh it got first bottled They're available only at the brewery um it's a barrel aged riff on their skillet donut stout it's one of the barrel's most popular beers it's an oatmeal stout brewed with molasses milk sugar and a 50-50 blend of big trouble and hologram counter culture coffee then after that is done is put in Willet bourbon barrels for nine months. And then once it's done, they sell at the brewery, they come in bombers, uh, and they don't have a price. So I love the idea of putting donuts and beer. I know our buddies at do South, they're calling all cars is their coffee donut that you cannot get anywhere, but the brewery, they kind of brew that whenever they want. So, kind of want to throw it at you jeff and kind of see you know what do you think of the donut thing and maybe maybe additives that you like to see in beer whether it's donuts or maybe something else that you kind of want to see more of well, i love it 
I love it. Awesome. In case you guys were not, uh, in case you guys didn't connect it, uh, we've talked about Burial before on the show. They're the ones that have the Tom Selleck and Sloth uh, murals all over the place. Freaking awesome brewery, and their beers are great. So I, I can't wait to try this one. Um, skillet donut. So I don't know what a skillet donut is or why that's a but seasoned skillet is good. what they're calling it. Yeah. Um, but it's it kind of sounds. Cute. Incredible and uh, 10% Imperial Stout with donut flavoring and a bunch of coffee in it. It sounds just really good. So, um, yeah, I would, I'd be down to see more donut stuff, more culinary inspired beers in the market. I think we've kind of talked about this in the past where there's like two paths now for the craft brewer to go in. And it's like the path one is like be exceptional at hitting style and just, you know, know what your niche is and say, we're going to nail our styles perfectly similar to like rap and how they are like, we're German and we're going to hit every German style. And we're going to do the best version of that German beer we can possibly do. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we, you know, they've created a hell of a reputation for themselves doing just that. But then there's also the breweries um, that are more culinary inspired, like angry chair where you're like, let's go try this maple orange donut, whatever stout and you're like man that's not was freaking just badass you know off the wall kind of beer and there's there's like those two different paths you can take where it's like which one is better i guess neither of them are better it's whichever one works better for the brewery but i would love to see more culinary inspired beers i think a lot of people are purists who would disagree with me and would say like that's not beer beer doesn't taste like you know like chocolate it tastes like beer but, um, but I think that those beers are, are more often than not, those are the ones that blow you away where you're like, I can't believe a beer can taste like this. Um, so that's, I would love to see stuff like that. That sounds like a badass beer to me. I can't wait to try it. Yeah. I mean, I, I would agree with you, you know, with what you said, you know, there's, there's a two different pathways. There's the traditional, you know, it's quote unquote simple, no frills, kind of like, this is a Kolsch, traditional Kolsch. This is a Belgian double, you know, no excuse me no added ingredients then you have you know like like you said the funky buddhas the all those you know breweries that kind of go off the wall crazy stuff uh dogfish head i think is a good blend between the two roads where they do have right. their their, IP, their their mini ipas which are pretty traditional east coast you know and then very they, true to and, style yep yeah the namaste is is true to style then they do off the wall stuff uh, I think the industry now, I think the trend is off the wall stuff. I think it is that novelty, crazy flavor, I think is what catches people. And I think that's what sells the most in terms, if you were comparing the two. But yeah, but like you said, there's no right or wrong. It's, you know, whatever you prefer. Like, you know, last night I went to Thirsty Topher and I had uh, a traditional uh, Hefeweizen from Jay Wakefield. They just added coconut to it. Right. You know, I, I don't go with some crazy flavor of lime juice you know what you know whatever you can think of lime juice caught whatever the case is i just went I, you know just felt a little traditional i drank a key lime slice from play linda all day yesterday afternoon which is not traditional it's a it's a blonde ale that tastes just like key lime pie but you know as like i wanted kind of something different a little bit less of that sugariness i just went with the traditional hefeweizen with a little bit of coconut added to it it was refreshing mm-hmm. and fantastic well, I think uh, I think that I'm seeing more and more of a trend towards the culinary inspired, you know, food beers that 
uh, you know, like you said, like Playa Linda has a key lime pie beer and, um, and, you know, like angry chair or cycle or, um, you know, so many people over in that, in that market, in the Tampa market, um, are doing more of those culinary beers that you're seeing them pop up all over the place. And I think it's, it's easier to make an impression quickly with those kind of beers than it is to make an impression built on quality of hitting your style perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, that takes a long time. And honestly, there's it, it's so hard to distinguish yourself that way because there's so many breweries now that are, Oh, we make an IPA. We make a pale ale. We make a double IPA. We make like six double IPAs. We make six IPAs and, and they're all, okay and then they're all you know and then we do a brown ale and then we do this and yeah it's cool that you have all of those styles covered but it's like you don't excel at any of them you're never going to build a reputation on quality by having every style so it's like the breweries that are excelling and nailing their styles perfectly and doing everything right it's hard to distinguish yourself unless you have that beer that everybody's like holy shit man can you believe that they, they make this beer yeah 100% 100% and even you know even when I went to the Smash Fest in Longwood I was pouring for uh for Bayboro uh Preston brought three really great beers he brought a Kolsch traditional Kolsch no bullshit just tr- per style super traditional he bought a uh fuck he's he's going to correct me but he brought some the Smash beer was like some mango uh blonde or so, something like some light and refreshing kind of like that which doesn't matter. That's not the point I'm trying to make. And then his third beer was his chocolate peanut butter v- version five. You know, every person that came up, they saw it. You can kind of tell where they're looking. Oh, Kolsch. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, you know, a, a fruit flavored wheat beer or blonde. Oh, okay. And then they're like, ooh, you have chocolate peanut butter stout? And we're like, yeah, I'll take that. And the amount of people who ordered that and then the amount of people who kept coming back to get more of it blew the other two classic styles or traditional styles out of the water. So I think breweries that are more traditionally focused, you'll probably take note that, you know, if you're trying to broaden your horizon and get that hook of beer that you may have to, to steer away from that traditional style and have that, you know, chocolate peanut butter or donut or whatever that, or, uh, a French toast or, you know, whatever the case is. And rap does it. Absolutely. Perfectly. That's what I was just going to say. That's exactly what rap does. They are, you go there and, and of their, I think they have like 18 taps or whatever it is, or they might even have more than yeah, that. 40. <laughs> they have like so many taps. It's, yeah. a, it, it's insane. Well, well, well over 20. Yeah. But every time you go, it's, it's like 20 traditional and even like obscure traditional German style beers. And there's like six, Americanized culinary beers and they always have the chocolate peanut butter stout on. And it's like they, I, I view them and I think anybody who goes there regularly or is a fan of theirs views them as a traditional German style brewery because you know, that's what they really excel at. That's what they do. Like they kill it on styles. Um, but the hook for me with them and the hook and what I still get every single time I go there and I will always get a growler of is the chocolate peanut butter stout. That's what hooked me. That's what got me there. And that's what really built their reputation with me was that they have this phenomenal chocolate peanut butter stout. So I'm like, you know, every brewery, no matter if you are in, in, you know, I only focus on traditional styles and I'm really good at nailing, you know, what, what it's, this is the full essence of what you get. If you drink a Belgian beer in Belgium, 
we're making it in, in America, you know, like if that's what you want to go for, go for it. But I don't think it would hurt you to also do that cool crossover beer that just blows everybody's socks off. Right. And even if you make that brewery only, I think that could work in your favor too. Cause then it's going to make people want to drive down to your brewery. Cause, Oh, well, if I want Mike's brewing donut beer, then I have to go all the way down to the brewery to where you're hooking people to come to the brewery where you're making more money off, you know, your margins are a lot better selling in the brewery compared to selling at distribution to, to bars and stuff. So, uh, oh, you know, aren't they? And what a weird segue that was. Well, it's, it's a segue. All right. <laughs> uh, there's a reason why I said it, but I mean, it's something that brewery should, should really look into of, you know, if, if you don't, if, the novelty creative culinary is not your thing. You should still brew some and some of it in some aspect and make it brewery only or make it bomber yeah. only only sold at the brewery. If you want this weird shit, you know, do South's calling all cars. If you only got, you could have gotten it one day at the brewery at this exact time and they sold out in three hours. So of course, because I never tried it, but I guess uh, it must be pretty freaking awesome. <laughs> it be pretty good. I mean, there's there's so many ways that you can do that and and still be traditional and still excel at an IPA, can still excel at a an English brown, and, and so on and so forth. But since I segue to this next big article about margins and breweries and bars and whatever else, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna let Mr. Jeff kind of sure, yeah. So as Mike. As Mike was saying, the breweries are, are having things such as a brewery only release or brewery, you know, this is only available at the tap room and things like that. Um, and what we stumbled upon was an article and it was actually, um, it was actually Brewbound sat down and Brewbound sessions and they discussed uh, the, the emergence of higher uh, tap room sales for breweries and direct to consumer sales. So basically to break that down into like non-industry terms, what it is, is that breweries are selling more of their own beer and less of their own beer is getting into distribution and selling at places like uh, Yard House or World of Beer or um, the three executives they had. One was from Old Chicago Craftworks Restaurant, which I have not heard of Craftworks Restaurants and Breweries, but um, I guess they're a, you know, a craft beer-themed restaurant chain. Um, so essentially what, what the deal is is that over the last two years, uh, craft be- craft breweries have sold seven percent more uh, of their own beer in their own tap rooms versus the you know in 2015 it was seven percent less. At this point, nearly ten percent of all craft beer brewed in craft breweries in America is sold directly to the consumer in their tap rooms, which obviously is going to affect the business of these large craft beer bars. And that's kind of what we're getting into now is they sat down with the executives of some of these large craft beer bars and discussed what they really think is happening. And if it's, if it's a threat to them, if world of beer is threatened or if uh, yard house is threatened by the fact that, breweries are selling more of their own beers or what direction we think the market's actually going in. And if it is a threat to them. Whew, and now I need to catch my breath and drink my beer. <laughs> so I, I think this is the start of what is going to be the normal, right? To where, you know, we're, we have breweries here in Florida. We have Red Cypress. 
civil society, Funky Buddha to an extent, um, Due South to an extent of these brewer, uh, Angry Chair is a great example of these breweries having brewery brewery only releases of beers that they don't sell in distribution. So, uh, I mean, Angry Chairs, every bomber they sell, I don't think that hits distro. Uh, uh, Funky Buddha just had a limited re- their um, anniversary bombers are brewery only. Um, Red Cypress has every every two weeks they're having some event that they're oh you know these are only available at the, we have sixty cases only at the brewery they're not hitting distribution you know come and get them kind of thing and I think this is what is going to be the norm in these bars and and restaurants are going to be in, in a lot of trouble because. A lot of these breweries have some sort of a food, whether it's a food truck, full-blown kitchen. And the more they have these brewery-exclusive events, the more that they're drawing people away from these bars and, and rest, other restaurants. And they're they're stealing the – I mean, they're not stealing, but they're, you know, taking the customer away. And that's going to be a huge problem very soon with these bars and restaurants like the World of Beers because they can't compete because these, these breweries are going to have better pricing because they don't have to pay for a distributor. And these bars don't have to get their cut. And, you know, there's going to be equal competition, yet the beer's cheaper. And you can get more options and, you know, question maybe better service. I don't know. It depends. Well, and I think I, I think that you're going to have less options, but you're going to have better options. Because I do think that now that there is the emergence of this, the the success of this brewery only release in these brewery events where you say, Hey, this is a tap room only beer. I feel like every brewery I go to now has a tap room only beer. If they're in distribution or they have mm-hmm. something that's uh, only available in, in most breweries, when you take the tour, they say, um, you know, our beer pours better here than it pours anywhere else. We can guarantee that because we are here, you know, we know what our beer needs to pour and we have our pressure set perfectly for that. And our system is set up for that beer. Um, and there's no d- doubt in my mind that it is better. I mean, you've tasted beers at the tap room and you're like, wow, that's amazing. And had them somewhere else and been like, eh, you know, it, it definitely is. They take the one, it doesn't transport. It's fresh as hell. And two, it's set right. They know how to pour that beer. So I think that you're getting a better quality beer. Most of the time you're also getting better. their better beers. And that's what you're really going to start to see is as breweries see their own success, they're going to say, why would I put this beer in my competitor's hands when I could make it a brewery release only? And now places like World of Beer and Yard House are going to only have the you know bottom 75% of every brewery's portfolio available yep. to them. And then they're still going to have a, a thousand beers but they're only going to get to pick out of the bottom 75% of every brewery. And then like, like we were just talking about rap earlier, like if rap hit distribution, no way in hell that chocolate peanut butter stout goes out. No, maybe it does. Maybe it does for a year just so everybody gets hooked on it. And then they pull it back out of the market and they say, it's only brewery only now. Sorry, you got to come to our brewery. Um, and, and you're going to start to see that where almost the breweries are going to start using these bars to catapult their themselves out there and then just pull back and say, okay, now you've had a taste. This is what we put. This is what we have. You can still have our core line anywhere. And these breweries can fight over carrying us because now we're popular or these uh, bars can fight over carrying us because we're popular now. But if you want to have the top 25% of what we do, you got to come to our brewery. Yeah. And that's going to hurt business for these bars so bad when that starts happening. 
And it already has started happening. It's just not to the full extent of what it's going to be yet. Yeah. I mean, these these restaurants and these bars are going to get the quick flips, right? The, the blondes, the, the IPAs, these, these styles that these breweries can flip and, and turn out in two, three weeks just to fill the shelves. And the, the shelves are going to be pretty bland in terms of like that creativeness that we currently have right now. You're going to see every fucking brewery, there's going to be IPAs, there's going to be pale ales, there's going to be wheat beers. And, and these breweries are going to have all the good shit. They're not going to destroy it, like you said. So, for example, like Cigar City, you can get High Lie anywhere. Then you have the White Oak variation. Oh, well, the White Oak you can only get at select places. You can't get anywhere. Only these select, you know, probably top accounts will have White Oak. But if you want the special version of White Oak, the Peach White Oak, that's a brewery only. You have to come to Tampa, and we're, we're going to charge you $15 for a four-pack. And, oh, guess what? When you're here, guess what? You can have the regular highlight. You can have the white oak highlight. And you can have the, the peach white oak highlight. And maybe some other. Oh, and also, and get, get 2014, and also 2014 Hunapu that we just decided to tap today. Yeah. Get and, a and that's, and that's what they'll do. And that's the other thing is that, you know, because we go to tap rooms all the time. And we're like, wonder what they have on tap today. And we've been surprised. Probably, you know, 50% of the time, I'd say there's some rare beer that I'm like, can't believe they have that on. That's awesome. And that. Don't even advertise it. Make it the mystique of going there and saying, I hope they have on something cool. And and then you draw them in. And I, you know, they say all throughout this article, and obviously it's a PR thing, and they're they're talking about, you know, um with with Brewbound and it's gonna hit a bunch of craft beer people. So they don't want to sound like, you know, end of days talk here with these executives of these big chains, but at the end of the day, they sound concerned, and I think they should be. Um as we've seen from the inside of working for one of these people that is represented, um, that the you know the business is not exactly growing. It's a constant battle for these people, and they are there are store closings, and there are not you know a slow and expansion to almost I mean to definite reverse expansion on some of these chains. Um, and we just you know we talk about it all the time. When was the last time that you went to a world of beer or to a yard house as a craft beer person? Um, I can't, I will tell you this. I will, I don't go to yard house. I actively uh, avoid yard house because yard house has too many taps. And to me, none of that beer is fresh. Cause if you tap a keg and you're not turning over 10% of your tap lineup every single night and putting a fresh keg on 10% of your lines, which there's no way they are with a hundred plus taps. There's no way that they're blowing through 10 to 15 kegs a night. Just, no. There's just too many options to choose from. Right. Those kegs are sitting for weeks before they blow, and you are getting not fresh beer on dirty lines. And and you you know, it, to me, if I'm a brewery, I'm staying out of that. I'm not going there. I'm going to say I'm sorry. You can't carry my beer because I can't guarantee its freshness. And two, if I'm a consumer, I'm not buying the beer there because they have too many taps, and I don't want to sit there and say, at, you know, at some point, your taps start competing with each other because there's only so much business so if you have enough business to sell a thousand beers and you have a hundred taps there you go 10 taps or 10 beers out of each tap and you're good to go there's a thousand beers now you make it now you make it 200 taps and all of a sudden it's like okay now there's only five beers out of each one you're still selling the same amount of beers the business didn't improve because you have more beer on tap you just split it between more taps. It's the opportunity cost of tapping more beers. So at what point 
is your beer just suffering and you're not having fresh beer on tap anymore? And I think that's part of the problem with some of these places is that too much selection equals uh, just a complete watered down beer market in your own store. And then two, you're not selling fresh beer anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yard house, <clears throat> excuse me, yard house caters to a more novice, more of an intro level craft beer drink who says oh my god i could go to this one place and there's 150 beers i could try i could try as much as i want blah 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 but people who are, who are kind of more into the the business or more you know spend a lot more time like us in that in this industry you know realize the points you just mentioned is 150 taps they're probably not turning over that they probably have ipa sitting there for four months at least because by the time they flip the beer that beer's old they got clean the line like all these things that's like you know what I'm not going to your house because too many options is a bad thing. So with that said, if you own a, you know, you run a restaurant, Jeff, if your main income is beers, you know, you're a, a world of beer, you're, you're, you're a yard house style restaurant. What would be your ideal number for taps? Oh man. My dream has always been, uh, so I, so I managed, um, I managed two world of beer stores, uh, and, and one of them had 40 taps and one of them had 50 taps. And I thought 50 was as high as I would ever go. And I thought 40 was just too low. So I would say somewhere in the 45 to 50 range is, is a good number because I think, you, well, that's, but that's also being said, that's a world of beer store. And that's, that's where back uh, then very little food business, all beer business, no liquor. So, um, so everything that's being sold is beer. Now, if you go to the similar size operation and people, and it's a restaurant, not a bar, and there's people eating dinner, all of a sudden the person who comes out for six beers is a little less likely. The person who comes out for two beers with dinner is more likely. And now you're selling less beer. So maybe you need less taps. Um, and that's where I'd probably get down to 40. I think with 40 beers, you can turn over enough of your tap lineup every night to keep your beer fresh and still have a very good selection. And you could always have good rotationals. There's really only, I would say, 12 to 15 styles that I think you have to have a permanent style for on tap. Like I think that if you went into a, a restaurant, now a brewery can do whatever they want. They sure. could have 15 IPAs if they want, and you're going to piss off some people. But but you're a brewery, like and that's, you guys you know, have a podcast. <laughs> but if you're but if you're a restaurant, I think that you need to have 15 styles covered. Like that, if, if you're a craft beer restaurant, you have to have like you know your pale ale, your lager, uh, your wheat beer. Your you know go you go through all the normal beers that you hope to see on tap when you go through. Fifth, call it 15 styles. You have to carry definitely. That means that you have an additional what 25 rotational beers that you could put on. And, and that with, and that's with 40 taps. So I don't think you're really hindered at all with 40 taps. If, if you have a creative buyer and you have a good beer program and you are confident in what you're doing and you know that your sales staff will be able to push, um, quality beers out, then I think 40 is fine. That's where I would, I would tend to stick to 40 to 50 taps. I wouldn't go higher. Uh, that's when you really kind of handcuff yourself to big business and that's when you're like you might even not even have high overhead but that's when you start saying to yourself i need to have 200 people through the door tonight or else my beer is not going to be fresh anymore yeah. whereas if you're if you're at 40 taps you can be like a little bit more chill about business and be like i hope i get 200 people 
but if I only get a hundred people, I'm still okay. Yeah. So yeah, my number would be somewhere between 35 and 40, I think would be a good number to stick by. Right. Just for me personally, 50, I think is, is kind of, kind of pushing it. But I think I, I, for me, I think 35 and 40 will, you know, I'll be able to have variety without it going bad and still be rotating enough beers to where the menu would be for, you know, there'd be new beers on every day or every other day and, and, and so forth. What um, I believe, what I believe the advantage to the 50 was uh, for us and what we ended up doing with it is we made 10 of our taps permanent uh, local. So no, and there was other local beers on tap as well, but we did just a local section of beer and it was 10 taps. We're always going to be Florida. And actually we tried to focus most of it on like, either you know central or north florida kind of to keep it more localized than just like like we weren't going down to like mia all the time and stuff it was mostly like central florida uh red cypress young breweries and new breweries in the area that were getting into distribution we were trying to give them a spotlight there um and i think that's cool to have that freedom if you have 50 taps you do have that freedom to do a, a full local section um but Either way, I mean, that's not, you don't have to do that. You can easily fit local into 40 taps and still have rotationals and still have different styles and all that crazy stuff. So I think 40 is where I'd be, but 50 does give you that freedom. Uh, the second you go higher than that, you're screwing yourself. But yeah, yeah. that's just, that's just me. Yeah. I, I think and to kind of circle back to the, the article, I, you know, I think it's, it's happening. I you know breweries like Funky Buddha, for example, I know we talk about them a lot. Uh, but their kitchen is, if you haven't been to the brewery in, uh, fuck, Fort Lauderdale or Oakland Park, their kitchen is pretty high class in terms of... Oh, it's good. Oh, yeah, it's I good. Mean, food's great. They, you know, it's not burgers and fries. It's like, I couldn't even tell you. It's just really good, unique, not typical bar food. And I think that is, that's going to be a huge problem in terms of, at, at every level, at competition at distribution at everything it's gonna be harder for the bars to get these beers it's gonna be harder for the reps to sell a beers because like well i mean my, not my brewery's portfolio is an ipa double ipa a wheat a porter and they're all fucking bland yet if you go to the brewery you know 20 minutes away they have all the cool shit um so i think it's gonna be a lot more challenging and it's gonna be it's, i think it's gonna be like a, a stalemate kind of kind of deal of you know is there that pendulum is, is really going to kind of lean towards one side. And I think the breweries are going to end up winning just out of them noticing and, and really capitalizing on, on that aspect of, you know, maybe is it getting a kitchen worth it, it worth that investment or, you know, building that kitchen or just, just having food trucks every night and just doing it that way. Yeah. Well, it's funny to me because we've talked about now multiple times on the show about, our breweries is, is the craft market getting watered down and they're taking more and more of the macro market every year. And we've, we've looked at this, like this whole craft beer market from one side. And then I'm like wondering to myself, where are these sales coming from? Like, how are these breweries all able to stay open? Because we've been talking about this craft beer bubble for, for over a year now. And we've been saying it's coming and coming and macro, you know, it, Micro is still gaining on macro. The craft beers are still gaining on the macro guys every year, but the numbers getting smaller and smaller, but the sales are getting bigger. And we're like, where's it coming from? It's coming from places like this. It's coming from your 40 tap, you know, serve everybody. We have every style in the world kind of place. And 
and people aren't going there anymore because they can go to their local breweries and there's 10 to 15 of them within close proximity that are all good with all good beers with their own flair. And they all have different stuff than you can get at, at world of beer yard house. So this is, you know, this is a scary thought for these big chains and they really should be thinking about it because, um, you know, I'm looking at some of the quotes in this article. Um, they're concerned about out of stock issues that breweries are putting products into the market and then pulling them after three months. That's literally exactly what I just said was they were going to do because they're going to use these people as a springboard to get their own success and then pull it back and say, now come to the brewery and get it. So they're literally, they're almost like slapping, not in a bad way. It's this, you know, it's business, but these breweries are literally like slapping these companies in the face and being like, you need us because without us, you're losing all your sales to us. Mm -hmm. So like you need to carry our beers. So we're going to give them to you when we want to. And then we're going to pull them back and keep them as a brewery only when we want to. And we're just going to continue and think about the, so just in Orlando, how many breweries would you say in Orlando have a good enough reputation that if they put on an event, they would pull, they would pull business away from Topher or from world of beer or from, uh, you know, uh, brass tap how many breweries like 10 no there's maybe 10 breweries in orlando i would say three of them have the power to to pull an event away from other restaurants red cypress bowegans and ocean sun i think have as of right now june 25th 2017 i think have that power of of pulling people away from these restaurants and bars. And actually I shouldn't have said Topher cause I actually think Topher more almost is like, he's, they're not a direct to consumer. They're not a brewery, but like they fit more into the trendy craft beer brewery style uh, yeah. destination than like world of beer or brass tap. So, right. um, so, but let's say it's okay. So say there's three and I know red Cypress is doing like one limited release at least a month right now. Oh, two, oh, at least it's more like every two weeks. So, so, so that's twelve days. That's twelve days from just that brewery every year that they're drawing business away from a bar. So then you have the other two. Say they're doing the same thing. Now you're at thirty six days a year that's drawing business away from another from a, from those bars. That is more than a month of affected business just from the, your local breweries. Then you're not factoring in. From three local breweries, that's more than a month of business where your business is negatively affected by a local brewery. Now you're talking about, let's talk about cycle releases, uh, Hoonapoo Day, Maple Bacon Coffee Porter Day, Hop Harvest up in Georgia, all these beer events that are, breweries are putting on that are drawing people away from your bar on different days. There's probably 50 to 60 days right now, easily, where your business is affected by a craft beer event put on by a brewery. And that's, and that's without them even trying yet. That's at the minimum. Like once this gets bigger, there's going to be a hundred days a year where your business is negatively affected. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's big. That's scary for a place like world of beer or brass tap who needs their business. Like that's, you know, you're, if breweries are putting on events and pulling all the customers away, that's a really scary thought. Cause when, when does that end? It doesn't, they have the power. They're the ones making the beer. Yeah, they have they have one they have one hundred percent the power. There's nothing that these, you know, these restaurants or bars can do to sway that unless they give them a permanent tap. Would I would say might help them ease the transition, or even if this self distributing law gets passed in Florida, which 
a lot of breweries may not even qualify for it. It's just, it's just like the really small ones can self-distribute. And even, I don't even think Florida has that law fully like thought up, thought through, but you know, would brewery, would self-distribution help resolve that problem of the whole three tier system and how flawed it kind of is, but especially it's going to be more flawed once these breweries wake up and say, Hey, if I put on a decent, or a good event every two weeks, I'm fucking killing it because my margins are way better with beers. I sell in the tap room than that keg I'm selling to a restaurant to where I'm making, you know, half my profit on that. I'm just selling it to get reach and that it get the brand out there. But if I could bring that crowd here, I can make double my money and some. Exactly. Now, now, but they do still need their distribution. That is still another network for them to make money. So I don't think that it completely kills it. But I can see, I can see the motivation to start pushing all of their good product into their own tap room, and that's that's not a scary thought. I actually encourage it. We go out, you know, you guys hear updates from me and Cassie all the time from South Florida. We don't go to we're we're not going down to Yard House and Gardens Mall. We're going to saltwater we're going to you know winwood we're going to uh concrete beach we're going funky buddha we go to all the breweries down here we're not going to to craft beer bars anymore i mean we if if we happen to be in an area and there happens to be a world of beer we'll probably pop in but like that's not the destination for us for us we would drive two hours down to miami to go to winwood concrete beach and jay wakefield rather than go 30 minutes to go to Gardens Mall, to go to to um, World of Beer, even if they were having a Jay Wakefield event. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Like I, but I would. Like I'd rather, no, I'd rather go to the brewery. Yeah. And I think, I think most, most intermediate to, uh, to enthusiast-level craft beer drinkers would do the same. I think that's the trend now is that intermediate, you know, moderate craft beer drinkers to the higher-end, uh, you know, enthusiasts – are starting to say even a Jay Wakefield event at so-and-so brass tap or wherever here, I'd rather go to Jay Wakefield. And if, if it's within driving distance, which to me is like two hours or less, like I would go to Jay Wakefield for a beer event before I go to, to brass tap for a beer event with featuring Jay Wakefield. I mean, we talked about that giant funky Buddha event that they're doing at downtown Wob. That's two hours away and it's going to be like 50 of their taps. And I'm, I'm like, I'm not really even, I'm not planning on going there. And like, <laughs> like, and I, I love funky Buddha beers. All the beers sound good. They have stockpiled beers for months and months, yeah. like great beers. And still I'm like, I don't think I'll drive up for that. And that's a freaking world of beer where I used to work. Like I should be pumped about going there, but I'm not because yeah. it's not, I go to breweries now. Yeah. And like that's, I, and that's, I think it's something to say the market. about, right. I think there's something to say about tap takeovers that I think, I think people are doing wrong. And I don't know who's doing them wrong, but like, for example, saltwater, I've been there three times and you and Cassie were with me or we went together our first time and their tap list. I don't know if you remember, but was awesome. So awesome. tap room beers were awesome. You go out in distro and they're like, uh, you know, they're okay. They're not bad, but they're not like, holy shit. No, I remember actually the funniest thing was Mike was like, I don't know if I even want to go to Saltwater. I've had their sea cow before and I think it sucks. 
Yeah, and, then, and then we go, and then we're like, I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? Their beers are awesome. And then we go in there and he's like, well, this happens is pretty good. And they're like, wow. he gets like a, we get a flight and he's like, holy shit, this stuff's awesome. I'm like, I told That's you. Awesome. <laughs> I, I think there's something with tap takeovers. Like, I think tap takeovers shouldn't be dominated with year round their year round beers because it's so uneventful. Why Every should time. I come to this event when you're when out of this the six taps you're taking over, four of them are freaking distro beers. Man, and I'll or, tell you, you know, I'll tell you from a from a buyer standpoint on trying to put on a tap takeover, breweries try to push that shit on you nonstop. And you have to battle them. Like, you're doing them a favor already. Like, I'm like, hey, man, for instance, I'll just tell you a story. In, and I, you know, people know I'm not the biggest fan. I don't hate this brewery. I actually do like this brewery, but I'm not the biggest fan of theirs. I'm not like a super fanboy. But I was putting on a, a big tap takeover with Cigar City. We were doing 10 taps at, at Wabal Tamont one time. And Cigar City uh, wanted to offer me a lot right off the gate when I was like, I want to do this event five beers come out of the woodworks instantly. They're all cool as hell. Limited release stuff that like you don't see everywhere. And we're going to be the only ones in the area that have it and blah, blah, blah. By the time the event starts approaching the other five beers, I've been struggling to get, I've got like two more of them. They've just come when things come available. Oh, I got this. Hey guys, is there anything that you're pulling strings to get me anything that you want? Oh, well, what have you thought about doing like, you know, uh, uh vanilla Maduro, no, I don't want vanilla Maduro because vanilla Maduro is at every bar in town when it comes out. Like, right. yes, it's cool, but it's everywhere. So when we get to the event, the uh, the print work that I got for the event had three of their beers misspelled on it. Oh, buddy. This is directly from the brewery. Directly right. from the brewery. Their posters. I had to get my own posters made a week before the event because I couldn't even put up their posters. They had three beers misspelled, one beer that they didn't even give me because they promised me and then it never came in. And then it ended up being a nine beer event instead of a 10 beer event. When I sat there and advertised for months that it was going to be a 10 beer tap takeover. Um, and they tried to fill it in with like, you know, Oh, we'll give you invasion. It's like, no, that doesn't count. Like that's not like nobody's <laughs> no. coming here for a fucking invasion. Like right. you need to pull me, you need to pull me a beer. And I'll tell you this, another story, a brewery that we've gone back and forth on lately that did the opposite of this was funky Buddha. When I put on an event with them and they, threw everything at me. I came out and I said, I want to do a Funky Buddha event. Let me put on some of your beers. I had the reps from Funky Buddha contacting me directly, not going through the distributor. Hey man, we're going to get you this, 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 and this. We got Rice Krispie Treat. We got um, German chocolate cake. We had, uh, fucking, I, I don't even remember anymore. It was all, on and on and on, yeah. It was, it was, it was six beers. It was all, rare stuff like cool rare stuff uh, i want to say we even had like french toast we had like all these kegs well we got we got it all in about a week before the event i get a call the night before the event and i've been at the biggest draw beer at the time was the rice krispie tree it was the newest you know the, the one no one had had yet or whatever mm-hmm. i get a call hey man so and so just had an event uh over in wherever and they tapped the rice krispie tree and the beer is infected we got to pull that keg and I'm like, oh, what do you mean you got to pull that keg? I'm like, this is the day before my event. And that's been the one I've been advertising. Like, you got to come try this beer forever. Like, this is like the draw beer. You know, like, we, this is the one everyone's coming for. You can't pull my keg the day before. He's like, look, man, I can't sell that beer. It's infected. Like, I'm not going to let you tap that beer. What are you going to give me? Uh, we'll give you another keg of German chocolate cake. I said, that's not, that's not acceptable. I already have, I already right. have 
I already have that. Another keg of that does nothing for me. You just limited my tap list on my event from six to five. And now I, now I'm a liar because I've been advertising six. So what they did for me, which is amazing. They pulled in their reserves, got me a keg of last snow, had it put on a emergency truck and personally driven up to Orlando to be put on our distributor's truck and delivered to me the day of the event. And I ended up switching out rice Krispie treat for last snow on that event. And nobody gave a shit because they thought that was awesome. <laughs> right. Right. Cause they're like, wow, rice Krispie treats doesn't not here, but we have last snow. That's last, cool. Oh my God. And I was like, and instantly I was like, you know what? That's good customer service. Cause that's somebody who said we, you know, not, we fucked up. I mean, I guess kind of like their beer was infected, they, but like they, they didn't they fuck up anything, tested. but, but they, but they made it right for the event. And, uh, and so it's, it's tough to put on those events. It's not easy. There's a lot of people trying to get their hand in the cookie jar. These distributors all have numbers to hit for core brands and they're going to put 10 core brands on a 20, a 20 tap lineup. And all they're going to say is, this is where, this is where, you know, you see these 50 tap lineups on these events and you just want to slap the product manager of that bar in the face. (laughs) They're going to say, Oh, look, I want to do a 20 tap takeover. Okay. Make it 30 and just put 10 of our core brands on. Okay. And it doesn't hurt the event any because they still have the same 20 cool beers. Yeah. But then at the, but at the end of the day, you're like, just don't put the, don't put the 10 shitty ones on. Right. Like, why'd you have to also extend it to 30? You could have just stayed with 20 and then just said, no, I'm good. I want to do 20. Do you not want to have a cool event at my bar? That's crazy. That's I don't get it. I would rather have a four tap takeover with the four beers being either limited or rare than having a 20 tap takeover and 10 of them being core beers that I can get all the time. Does that make sense? It's not a take. It's not a tap takeover at that point. It's just a highlight of this is what this brewery has. Yeah. And like to me, don't include anything on a special event that I can find at Publix. That's that was my whole beef with that brunch, you know? Right. So it's crazy. We'll see, we'll, we'll see how it happens. I'm excited to see how the, how the industry is going to, is going to develop and change. And, morph into you know whatever it's going to become in terms of growth and taps and and shelf space and all that jazz i thought this yeah i thought this article was totally interesting and, and really a completely different look than what we've seen before as you know as people who are very involved in this and and always constantly in the industry looking at stuff and and it it totally turned me on my head and was like wow i've never thought of it that way that's crazy yes i think um all right. Before we are we signing off, is that what this? Yeah, it we're going like? we're to we're close up shop, but you can you can go ahead. I need to announce what beer I drank this episode. No, that's right. Because I totally if we didn't do it at the beginning. To, I'm not I drinking am. it because I'm a bitch. <laughs> so, quick story. Oh, I'll make it really fast. Uh, I drank tonight. This is the third bottle of Avery Mephistopheles that I have ever bought, and this is the first time I've ever had it because this beer is my kryptonite. And I'm cursed with it. So I finally got to open one up and drink it. I have spent $45 on this beer and have finally drank it. And it was phenomenal. It's a fantastic beer. 14.6% Imperial Stout from Avery, which is a great brewery in Colorado. If you're not familiar with them, um, they are uh, like 
the mecca of Colorado if you're in Colorado. When you ask Colorado people what their favorite brewery is, a majority of them talk about Avery over anything else, which is pretty wild because Colorado has some fantastic breweries. So um, they do a great job. And we don't get most of their stuff in Florida. So if it surprises you that I'm saying that, it's because you haven't had most of their really good stuff. Um, But anyway, uh, Mephistopheles, I bought my first bottle. My roommate cracked it open one night when he was drunk, drank half of it and poured it down the drain. Um, so I, so I traded, uh, I got help from a, a show fan, David Boston, who's been on the show before to trade for a, another bottle to replace that one. Um, and I got that bottle and I don't think I've ever told David this. So if he does still listen to the show, which I hope he does, Hey man, I got to tell you the fate of that bottle. Uh, when I got home that day after you gave it to me, it fell out of the back seat of my car and shattered in my driveway. Oh my God. And so, <laughs> and so now I am I two beer. Now I bought two of these beers and have uh, drank zero of them. So then a year and a half has gone by since then. And I happened to be at the grand opening of a vine and barley, which is a craft beer and wine uh, bar that just opened up across the street from my restaurant. Really cool spot in downtown Stewart. And I went over there to want to their opening and they had a whole Avery release, you know, cool, lots of Avery stuff and Mephistopheles was on it. And I was like, I forgot about this beer. I've been cursed. I've never drank it. So I bought it. And, uh, and now I finally drank it on the show tonight for you guys. So I literally saved it for the show. Cause I was like, I'm going to drink this beer eventually someday. And I need it to be documented that I did. Cause I've wasted three of them now trying to get it. <laughs> <laughs> what would you give it a score? On tap oh score? my God. Honestly. Uh, I mean, I'm going to untap it. I'm going to go on and untap it. I, we had a big discussion about me needing to untap my beers for the fans. So you guys should start following me. Jeff Schilling 10 untap find me. Um, I think the podcast has a group too. I don't know if you can search us by the group. I, I, created, no I created one one day, but I don't know if we even use it. Um, but anyway, uh, I would give this a four, four, four ish, 4.25. It's not bad. It's really Dude, it's, it's solid. It's really solid. Um, it's chocolatey. It's not as boozy as you'd expect for almost 15%. Um, super chocolatey, really sweet, very syrupy, not a whole lot of carbonation, which is what killed it. I wish it had a little bit of head uh, and, and maybe just a slightly lighter body or maybe just a little bit more effervescent with a little bit more bubbles. And, you know, um, mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, this beer on nitro would Ooh. be a would be a five Ooh. like it would be a, a, a sure five Nitro um, makes everything better so but it's sure. i mean it's it's a syrupy thing it's super syrupy and like you know heavy but it's a fucking great beer and if you ever come across any of the avery uh you know more obscure beers uh the deviant series or anything that they put out and you come across any of that stuff craft beer city down in jupiter has a lot of their stuff right now um Actually, I'm working with one of my reps to try and start buying some of that stuff for my restaurant as well. Um, but yeah, they uh, all their stuff is phenomenal all the time. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Crap Your City. Anyway, so we're, we're gonna we're gonna do the we're gonna do the plugs. Um, so I'll go first now to give Jeff a uh, a break from talking. Uh, website is almost done, guys. I worked for hours this past week to get up and to get fucking functional and shit and have it looking cool. Looks great still more to do It'll, i'll be editing it constantly so you know when, whenever we fully release it i'm sure in two days after that i'll be adding pictures and shit 
But website's almost done. A couple finishing touches on it. The store still not done yet. I just once today I get the website up, I'll probably start working on the store. But other than that, everything is coming together. Um, went to play Alinda yesterday. It was a great time. Had a key lime slice, and then had a flight. Went to Sanford. Haven't been to Sanford in a long time. Went to Celery City Craft in Sanford. The new look. The, excuse me. The new location. Fucking awesome, dude. Awesome, 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 awesome. Uh, then we went over to uh, me and my buddy Jay. Went to Sanford Brewing. Had a beer there, and then we went to Wops Hops and had a flight there. Haven't been there. Wanted to check them out. Pretty good. Pretty good. They had a, a coconut uh, ale, and then they had a uh, like a, a chocolate vanilla marshmallow beer named some Dulce Vita, whatever it's called. Tastes like a s'more. So uh, they were all really good. Uh, so, and it was a lot of drinking yesterday. It's probably one of the reasons why I'm not drinking now. I need to. Uh, <laughs> I need, I need to get my, my liver and kidneys and stomach a break because I, I went hard yesterday. So uh, other than that, website should be out super soon. Stories of work in progress. Uh, other than that, uh, that's it on my end. So, Jeff, what do you got going on? Um, not a whole lot. Uh, check out the website when it comes up. Mike has a great picture of me on there, so you guys will finally be able to put a face to the name if you haven't seen me yet, uh, if you don't go on the Facebook page or anything. Um Keep tuned in. Check in what we're doing. Uh, I am being much more active uh, on the Instagram, and uh, and I'm trying to update more on my trips uh, from South Florida. Um, keep you guys in the loop of what's going on in this market as well as up in Orlando. And Mike is is constantly, uh, you know, going places up in the Orlando market as well. So we've got a pretty good coverage of the state. So just kind of keep tuned in on that. Um, as always, until the trip actually happens, keep tuning in. We will be going international. It is going to Cuba July 28th. We will be up there. That is a Friday, which means that August, nope, July 31st, 31st will be yeah. a Sunday. And we will hopefully, if I can find internet, be doing a show from Havana, Cuba on the 31st, uh, which uh, I would like to maybe do live, but that's something that we can talk to Mike about and see. Um <laughs> <laughs> it would be pretty fucking awesome though um so anyway we'll figure it out uh but yeah tune in keep it uh keep it coming and thanks for watching yeah <laughs> and once again everybody thanks again for a, wa- for a while i almost said watching oh old habits listening listening yeah thanks again for listening uh feel free to check us out at the bar very soon Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, that's about it. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, really all the information you need to find us is on the Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash out the bar podcast. And then once the website's done, that will be our kind of our main place for everything. So, but until next time, we will see you guys at the bar. Peace. <laughs>